Good morning, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series where we interview firm executives and thought leaders, as well as third-party industry luminaries and experts on important global business trends, topics, and leading practices. My name is Stan LaPique, and I lead global research for KPMG's Management Consulting Services Group. And I'm pleased to have with us here today Mr. Gary Silberg. Gary is a member of the U.S. firm. He's a partner. And Gary heads up the America's Automotive Group. So, Gary, thanks for joining us here today on this edition of Advice Worth Keeping. So, we're here to talk about certainly a hot topic in the market, and I'm very interested to get Gary's perspective on this. And we've kind of framed it as islands of autonomy in the context of the automotive industry. And we'll be getting into the discussion around the very popular topic of driverless vehicles. And maybe given your role and your background, you could maybe frame for our listeners, where are we at with islands of autonomy in the automotive industry today? And what are some of the key things organizations are looking at? Stan, thanks for having me. We're really at an amazing point, and it's an inflection point. There's about to be a creation of a trillion, maybe even a multi-trillion dollar market in the next 10, 15, 20 years that we have not seen probably, and I don't mean to be dealing in hyperbole, this is massive. And what's happening is it's around a revolutionary and disruptive technology of self-driving cars or driverless vehicles combined with mobility on demand or mobility services coming together. And the amount and investments that corporations and startup companies are making to capture this trillion or multi-trillion dollar market is breathtaking. The paper that I'm going to talk to you about in this idea of what we call islands of autonomy is how will this new revolutionary market rollout, where and why, and how should you think about that? We coined the phrase islands of autonomy in the metaphoric way of what that would mean. And let me spend a moment and explain what I'm talking about in terms of what this idea is. Think about, Stan, when you got your first smartphone, you don't go back to a flip phone. So the embrace of game-changing technologies, people don't go backwards, they only move forward. Self-driving cars or driverless vehicles are going to be absolutely the same thing. It's going to make your life amazing. It's going to save your life. It's going to help save potentially your family's lives in terms of auto accidents and efficiencies and not having to commute. So we believe it's going to be an incredible, incredible experience that consumers, once they get a taste of them, they won't change. They'll never go back. Unlike your cell phone, what did you need for your cell phone? You needed a carrier, you needed some money, right? Well, that's not how self-driving cars or driverless vehicles is going to roll out, in our view. Why? Well, because different places around the world have different needs and different consumers have different requirements. So all of a sudden, not magically, the city of Chicago, where I live, is going to adopt it, perhaps. It may be other places, and it may start off in Tokyo, or it may start off in China. We try to do in this research paper is to think about how and why these would roll out. And then what I'll talk to you later about is the economics and the implications of this and the market opportunity. The question we pose or try to answer is, how do people actually travel and what do you actually do in your vehicle? That's a tough question. When you ask people that, there's surveys, what do they think? How long do I spend commuting? I spend X amount of time a day. I go X amount of time to the grocery store. There's a lot of surveys that quite frankly, and I'm not saying people lie, but we just don't know, we estimate. So we came up with a pretty cool and innovative and some might say scary way of answering that question. 
We worked with an amazing startup company in Silicon Valley. And after I tell you the story, you should turn your phone off or at least some of your apps. Okay. <laughs> we teamed with them to get cell phone pings, okay? So your cell phone, your smartphone is pinging right now, your apps, all anonymized, but it's pinging saying, I'm here. And what we did, we started with Chicago. We took that as our first city. And we asked the startup company, could you give us cell phone pings in Chicago, say, from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m.? Because we figured that was a good commute time. And they said, sure. And we get this massive data set. And what we found was astonishing. We got 180,000 unique individuals. We were able to figure out longitude and latitude by minute, by second of where their cell phone was and pinged. And we superimposed it on a map of the city of Chicago. So much in detail that we were able to tell if you were taking the train in, if you were on the highway, if you were staying in the suburbs, how did you travel, where did you go? And it drew a picture of what we call the islands metaphorically of Chicago. And it was an eye-opener. What we found, part of which wasn't surprising, was the city of Chicago. A lot of people who live in the city stay in the city. And how long did they commute? What did they do within this commute? Many of which were less than 10 minutes. And then there was this massive group that actually lived in the suburbs and stayed in the suburbs. And lastly, there's people that commute in and out. The punchline of what we were trying to get at is if there was a driverless car, how would the island metaphorically of Chicago work? What type of cars would be? How big of a market would this island be? So what we did is we decided to test the same hypothesis, and we picked Atlanta next. And we thought, well, Atlanta is going to hopefully look different than Chicago because of where people live and where they work. And to our delight, we did the same thing in Atlanta, and it looked completely different than Chicago. And people take much longer commutes. They go into the city. Not a lot of people live in the city. Completely different map of how people travel. And then we decided to take the mother load of Southern California, so from San Diego to Los Angeles to Orange County. And people commute literally from San Diego to Los Angeles, which is two hours and back daily. What we realized, if you're going to have autonomous vehicles, they're going to be different, and the needs are going to be different by these islands of autonomy. So this was our big idea, and in the marketplace, our clients were like, wow, from governments to cities to energy companies to infrastructure. Obviously, the automotive industry was just fascinated with this because they're trying to figure out what types of cars they would need to make for these types of islands. So this is a huge idea, and it's been incredibly well-received in the marketplace. So long story short, you asked me what might have seemed like a simple question, what is the islands of autonomy? But that is what we mean by it metaphorically, and that's how we believe autonomous vehicles will roll out. They'll roll out in specific islands, and there's a lot of reasons certain islands will go first versus others, but it won't be ubiquitous. It will take time to roll out across the United States and certainly across the globe. So maybe on that point, Gary, where are we at with this rolling out? We all hear about some of the trials that are going on. I was actually reading about some just earlier today, and I think they're mostly successful. There's been a few hookups, but for the average consumer, and then maybe to turn that around for the average purveyor of autonomous vehicles, whether that's for personal consumer use or maybe for fleet or industrial use, how close are we to this from the standpoint of this becoming whatever you might define as mainstream? Are we still pretty early in the prototype or should we be expecting to see this become much more of a reality for the average consumer or maybe the average fleet in the next, say, 12 to 18 months? Great question. Both. <laughs> I'll read to you the public announcements that have occurred in the last month. They're quite, in my view, astonishing. So just last week, a little startup company called Drive AI has entered the market in uh, Texas. 
Apple just three days ago announced that they are working with Volkswagen and they're joining forces to develop their own self-driving car. This is quite huge news that most people aren't even probably paying attention to. A company called Aptiv that was formerly Delphi has their own self-driving car. They make components for the automotive industry. So on May 2nd, announced that they will have self-driving cars in Las Vegas on a Lyft app. So you can push a button if you have Lyft and a self-driving car will pick you up, no driver. The Volkswagen Group just announced April 30th with Didi Quay. Didi Quay is the Uber, if you will, of China. They have a new joint venture in teaming up with self-driving cars. The United States Pentagon announced on April 30th that they're going to challenge Uber and Waymo in the race for self-driving cars, and these have military applications, as you can imagine. Waymo, which is the Google, announced that they're going to have a self-driving car. I believe they're buying a approximately 20,000 Jaguars, electric Jags, all going to be self-driving, no steering wheel in there. And they've announced in the Phoenix in in Arizona area, they're going to have a self-driving car service this year where you can order a Waymo, no driver in it, and you'll pay for it as an autonomous vehicle even the next six months. These islands are starting to play out in small areas throughout the United States. So it is awesome on the mobility as a service side. In terms of what about owning one, a personally owned vehicle that's self-driving, when will that come? That is unclear, and I don't want to get too wonky about this, but there's levels of autonomy by the uh, Society of Automotive Engineers has named them, so level one, two, three, four, and five. And today's cars, you can see it from GM, they have, I think they call it their super cruise, where you can just let go on the highway, and Audi has that, and Tesla has their autopilot. That's essentially level two and a half-ish. You basically sit behind the wheel and have to touch the steering wheel and pay attention. Level four is what is called driverless. In other words, there's really no steering wheel or brakes in the car, and it drives by itself. And those types of vehicles that consumers can own, I think they'll come in the early 2021 timeframe. They'll be available, and they're going to be very expensive in the beginning. So it'll be on the high end. I'm sure, Stan, you'll buy a couple of them yourself. (laughs) But they'll be available probably in that timeframe, and they'll roll out in islands. Obviously, historically, there's been great things that technology can do, but sometimes their rollout get caught up in, in various types of, for lack of a better word, externalities. And we like externalities at KPMG. And what I mean by that with autonomous vehicles is there's obviously issues around insurance and liability. And you get into machine learning, there's questions around really what are those algorithms. Do you see that there are externalities that are going to delay this? Or do you think that the regulator is going to be able to address this so that the technology won't get slowed up too much based on market realities around rules and regulations and compliance and things like that? That's an interesting question. The technologies are changing so fast that, quite frankly, the regulators, A, cannot keep up, and B, If you were to make a regulation now, you'd be wrong because you don't even know what you're actually regulating some parts of it. That's the issue from a regulatory perspective. It's so fast and the technologies are changing so quickly. It's a quagmire a little bit from people need to feel and know they're safe and hold people accountable if their vehicles aren't safe. That's the framework of how the regulatory environment needs to work. There's general consensus with the prior administration and the current administration that this is game-changing. America's corporations are leading the world in this. It's going to have profound and positive impact on people's lives and safety, and it'll help energy efficiency and the environment. I mean, there's a lot of powerful 
economic social groups that want this to happen. This is not perfect, but by and large, it's life-saving and game-changing technology. So I've heard people tell me that the United States, and I've heard this from Europeans, is that we're going to squander our lead and it's going to be done in Asia because we'll be too worried about suing each other and our regulatory environment's too difficult. I tend to think that it'll move forward in a great way. One of the points you brought out, Stan, was with machine learning. And machine learning is part of this, but it's more around this area called deep learning which is a subset of AI that is somewhat mystical in the sense that the car learns after you write the algorithms and it learns. And the more miles it gets, the more simulation the car gets, the smarter it gets. And what's difficult right now, and this is a real issue, is, okay, you buy the car, it gets smarter after you bought it. So how much smarter? What did it learn? How did it learn it? (laughs) Not easy answers for people Not easy answers for people to understand who wrote the algorithms, right? I'll give you a question, Stan. So if I said to you, describe the differences between a dog and a cat. If you had to actually do that, say that, you'd have to sit there and think about it a little bit, write it down. But somehow your brain would kind of pop and figure out how to do that. It might take you a little moment. You'd have to do that. Right. How does a computer know how to do it? He doesn't know what a cat and a dog is. How did you teach it? And how did you teach the more pictures and the more data that you gave it all the different types of dogs and how did it learn it and how did it learn that dogs behave differently than cats and then drivers and bicyclists and and that is i think an area if i was to focus in on that the industry needs to become better at being more transparent because when something does go wrong and it inevitably will people are going to know well why did the computer do what it did and and i think ultimately the industry is going to have to be able to answer that question and it's not so easy to do with deep learning quite frankly I do share your optimism, and hopefully the U.S. market won't fall behind because we're occasionally too litigious. And I think it's always important to keep in mind that, yes, there have been some examples, and I'm sure there will be more of autonomous vehicles getting into car wrecks. But if you look at how many humans get into car wrecks on a daily basis, I think we're going to be a lot farther ahead with autonomous vehicles. But maybe to wrap up and bring it back to the perspective of organizations which will be delivering these cars to market, what are auto companies focusing on? Obviously, they should be focusing on having compelling vehicles come to market and address all the regulatory constraints. Are we going to see a different automotive market based on the success or less than success of the current group of firms having in terms of addressing this market? Obviously, we have Tesla, who's certainly a leader in the autonomous vehicle space, at least for the time being. So are we going to see a radical shakeup of the market, or is it going to be a scenario where the traditional firms will be the same firms that will be the leaders in the autonomous market? Or is it still too soon to tell? I can say this with great confidence. It will be profoundly different, and there will be big winners and big losers. If you recall what I was talking about earlier, I talked about companies you probably never heard of, as AppTeeth, and and obviously you've heard of Apple, but not in the sense of self-driving cars or a company called Waymo, which is part of Google and and the traditional automakers. They are fighting and, and investing billions and billions of dollars to take on this market. We've already seen these little upstarts called Uber and Lyft that didn't even exist. And now there's Via and Get and Didi Quay, all these names that never even existed in our vocabulary three or four years ago. People are already pushing the button. So we're already starting to see the winners and losers start to come in the future. So I think the market opportunity is massive. Players and the power players within the ecosystem are already changing. And over time, I think, especially if you're not owning the car, 
Fleet providers become much more powerful. The types of vehicles people would want are going to be different. There'll be a shakeout for sure. And the opportunity is huge, but the risks are very large. And this may be a bit self-serving, but any of our clients listening, they better have a bespoke point of view and scenario analyses to justify where they're at, where they're going, and where they need to invest. And it needs to be at a board level. This is not for the faint-hearted. This is not to be looked at five, 10 years from now. This is now they need to be doing that. And they really need to be engaging in that with their board, with their management and their leadership, and with outside players of the ecosystem because it is happening at an incredibly fast clock speed. Okay, Gary. Well, thank you very much for your time today. I agree. This is a really cool topic and clearly one that you're very knowledgeable of. So this has been some great insight. And for our listeners out there, Gary did mention a paper he's working on. So certainly check that out. And also on the landing page for this podcast, there will be links to other KPMG materials and materials from Gary about this topic and where the market's going and really what's going to be a profound change, as Gary's been describing, in terms of transportation going forward as it becomes more autonomous. And Gary did cite the, the massive volume of this market in terms of potentially multiple trillions. So I think certainly something that is going to touch all of us. So Gary... Very interesting stuff. We'll have to get you back. I would like to talk more a bit about some of the specific technologies you mentioned and kind of the gradations of those. So maybe we can get you back for another podcast to talk about that. But thanks for your time today. This has been very interesting. My pleasure, Stan. Thank you for having me. And you can find the links to the items we referenced in the show today below the podcast. If you're online, of course, the URL for that is kpmg.com slash us slash podcast. That's a wrap. Thanks for your participation. 